start a new competition, but your greatest hope is that all of your teams lose so you don't have to do it anymore. It's Not So MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and returning to the show this week, Ricardo Bordelon with uh, with Nick Thornton on international duty. Hello, thanks for having me. Welcome back. Uh, Ricardo was here last year, uh, a pal of mine, a Whitecaps season ticket holder, um, and a fan of all things soccer. Do you, uh, do you, did you have any hopes for this nation, uh, CONCACAF Nations League or CONCACAF, oh right, League's Cup? <laughs> yeah, I think that shows how much people <laughs> care about it when it's like, I don't even know what it's called. It's not even the best teams in MLS, so I don't really understand why it's supposed to matter. It's, I... it's just clearly an attempt to maybe one year or in the future get into a Super League, so I have yeah, zero interest in this. Yeah, this is this is something that we've talked about, like 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 the the CONCACAF Champions League has proven that like as much as there's been some recent success for MLS teams, playing Mexican teams is still hard. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen a good note that people suggest it's that MLS teams aren't progressing, which isn't really the case. It's that Mexico is also progressing. Uh, you know, the Monterey teams, especially recently, have been, you know, outstanding. And I don't think you would really have players like Gignac going to Mexico like 10, 15 years ago. So the idea that MLS is always the same bad league that it used to be is not really accurate, even though that's often painted and it's going to keep happening when you have these competitions. Right. That's a, it's a good point that that the best players are, are some of the best players are coming to Mexico now and the the league is considered to be quite strong as well. You're, I think you're right in terms of they would love to have more cross league play. And I don't know if that would ever result in an actual super league, but it's just, but don't create more opportunities. I I really enjoyed um, this tweet that I saw by Sam Stechkel, uh, Stechkel of the Atlantic, where he said, spent a good chunk of the day talking to people around MLS about League's Cup. Best line, please don't talk to me about this dumb thing. It, it upsets me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the, the normal League games, um... Did you uh, get a chance to go to the Vancouver-San Jose game? I did not. I don't know whether I want to say that was fortunately or not. It's <laughs> it's hard to go to games right now, and I honestly don't fully relish it when it happens. I mean, like, you know, I was there the two weeks ago, and that was, a, like, the weird the weirdness I felt was that I was, like, just because I had been – it was my second game in into just because of the, the, the mood around the team and also like I was just like, ah, oh, do I need to go to this? But like like I I fly to these things. I go like, you know, to 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 away games and stuff and, and yet I had the opportunity to go there and I was like, Ah, oh, but other things are going on that night. <laughs> you know, in the current in the current uh atmosphere it's kind of it's kinda of tough. Yeah, and attendance certainly suggests that a lot of people agree with that sentiment. I had a friend who doesn't usually go to games who went to a Colorado game a few weeks ago, 
and I was kind of messaging him because the seats were across from mine and was just like, oh, I'm sorry, this game has started so badly, but, you know, they looked good in the second half, so, you know, I think that's still a fun game. And he came back to uh, last week's game, and it was sort of the same thing where I was like, well, they're not doing great, so don't be too optimistic, but that was a much less fun game, and I had little salve for it. Yeah, this one, it was it started a little bit nicer. Um, this is the, the 3-1 loss to San Jose. It started a little bit nicer than um, the Kansas City game, for sure. Uh, but it just got worse as the, with, with Daniel Henry scoring. Um, he's able to bring a cross in, and, and as the ball's bouncing, he sees it, and, and he's able to act on it. Um, but the defense really did not uh, capitalize on that early start, I thought. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting thing. I think going into the season, people sort of expected, okay, it's basically an expansion team. The way you see those teams progress over season is they figure out the defense first. That's kind of easier of the two sides of the ball to figure out when you've got a lot of new players coming in. And they really improved that through the first third of the season. And people were sort of thinking, okay, now... Players will start gelling together. They've been playing for a while. The summer window is coming. We might bring in a new piece, and we'll get that second piece there, and maybe we make a playoff push. But really, the last six, seven games have been a complete opposite direction for the team. It seems like they've just undone most of the progress they had done since the beginning of the season, which I don't really understand why. I really feel that that it's almost as though like Adnan has gotten worse. Is that is that just like a a placebo effect thing I'm thinking or because or, in this game it seems he made a lot of uh, since since getting resigned it seems like he made a lot of questionable plays. Yeah, I think when he first arrived he did certainly show more going forward than coming back. Maybe the atmosphere in the team was different earlier on this season too. I really feel like part of this slump they've been going through is that just players aren't cloning the opposition down they're not tracking back there's just not really any will that players are showing and maybe that's a lack of leadership so i'm not sure what adnan's going through is maybe just indicative of the whole team but a lot of comments have sort of indicated that he is certainly more of an attacking fullback so when the whitecaps are going to be on the back foot adnan sometimes will look like uh, not as much of a good player as he is when we're attacking and winning that makes a lot of sense. I, the 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 thought about them not sort of um, the defense not challenging really reminds me about the of that first goal, where it feels like San Jose had a lot of time on the outside of the box to plan their approach, but when they played in, it's like the defense is not really coming forward to pressure at all, and it has to be it, it's it's Crepo only who's running towards the 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 person with the ball. Yeah, which shouldn't be the case unless he's the only person. <laughs> around (laughs) (laughs) and Crepo has definitely been a bright spot this season but if you kind of compare where Vancouver has gone compared to San Jose who going to the season there was a lot of question marks about them as well and they have really done what we're failing to do right now which is they're closing down space they're really putting a lot of pressure on the ball even if they aren't fully um 
as talented as other teams near them in the standings. I mean, they're working really hard and it's showing. And that difference against us is really dramatic. Yeah. The second goal comes from, from uh, Vaco. Is, uh, his shot comes off the post and the rebound hits Crippo. I think this is an own goal, but um, uh, originally it was given to Vaco and it's now been given to Wondolowski. Um and then later there's an an opportunity where the the Caps think there's a, a handball, and like kind of just stop playing, especially Felipe, who just sort of watches as a uh, as Magnus Eriksson Eric gets on the ball. Yeah, and that's been a trait of Felipe sort of his whole time here as well. So that's a little disappointing from him, but. I don't know if he's not being held accountable because there isn't anyone like Boston to just yell at people or what's going on. Yeah, I, you make a good point about leadership and in sort of one of the things that I tried to you know talk about last week was was that this is this has been a, a rough stretch in terms of all of the compressed blowouts in a row, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's, it's stretched up it's stretched to five games winless and or five games. Uh, losing streak and that's not good but i i've tried to think you know there have been you know stretches of worse teams teams have been in a worse place but like and i'm trying to think of what what makes this particular moment feel so you know in a sense hopeless and if i think about it it's like did you see this uh this quote from christian uh christian jack no which one uh, he said it in a radio show, and it was transcribed by Glass City FC on Twitter. Uh, it's pretty bad. He said it, uh, I'm not sure, I don't know if he said it on ESPN or on another show, but he said, you know, uh, Bournemouth don't, this is, his trans, this is Glass City's transcription, Bournemouth don't expect to beat Manchester United when they host them at home, but they do their best, and it's the same with the Whitecaps. None of this talk about winning championships. Embrace your identity of who you are, and then people will get behind you. And then when you play Seattle at home and you're losing uh, the game 2-1, you're putting the pressure on them. The place isn't a library like it's been the last couple of years. Uh, this is a wild perspective to me. Um, but it gets onto, I think, one of the, the season, uh, the themes of the last two seasons for the Whitecaps has been a lack of identity. Yeah, certainly Robbo was known as just a very practical coaching style. So certainly... Going into this season, people were looking forward, I think, to having a coach who was clear in his identity in the past teams he's had. And he brought in players suggesting that as well. But the attack, it's been so broken that it's hard to really glean anything. I don't think that um, I'm really not, um, especially in a league that's built with parity and has structures to, to address this, I don't know that I really accept this idea of, you know, you should embrace your, your status as a minnow in MLS that's not ever going to win and just, like, be happy with it. Um, but I think that certainly there's something that's missing in terms of something to grab onto that'll, that allows people to ride through the tough times. Yeah, I also disagree with that quote because it's not like you know, the disparity you see in the Premier League exists at MLS. You know, the White Caps budget isn't a tenth of the top teams. It's less, yes, but it, the difference isn't that dramatic. Not to mention that, like, 
I mean, Bournemouth two years ago, I think, finished like eighth or ninth, something like that. So the idea where it's like, oh, Bournemouth knows who they are and they play to that level. It's like, well, you know, if we were eighth or ninth best in the league, I think we'd be surpassing expectations this year. So I'm not really sure what Christian Jack expected from the Whitecaps this season. (laughs) That's like... I, I think that the first time that I heard, you know, the have or have not status MLS brought up, or not the first time, obviously, but, like, I've heard these these comments in relation to the Whitecaps in terms of, like, listen, the big teams are making big signings, and you're going to be left behind if you, you're going to be put in a, a tough spot by this, as almost like a, a warning to the club. And now it seems like it's being repurposed as, like, uh, tiss-tiss to fans. It's like, how dare you expect things? Yeah, and I find what's really rich about this, though, is you look at teams like Houston, Red Bulls, SKC, they're not making, like, huge investments into the team. Yeah, we're not going to be Atlanta. We're not spending $15 million on single players, you know, every single year. But you don't have to be Atlanta to win MLS Cup. You know, they've only, they did once, but they're not going to win every year. No. Yeah, and, and I, I, I kind of like that, you know, in, compared to the idea of, like, the European leagues as a climb, the idea of, like, MLS as cycles, you know? You you are in your first – you're in a – Atlanta's in a cycle where they try to win, and then now with with some um, changeover, they're in another cycle after that, and, and the idea that maybe you're waiting for the uh, the turn to come back your way makes a little bit more sense to me to me than the idea of sort of this this endless uphill struggle um but i i you you saw some apologies from mark dos santos you saw uh, steve nash on twitter the owner of the team just tweet one of the co-owners of the team that one of the most public people associated with the white caps just tweeting hang in there at white caps fc yeah i i really feel for him too i mean Whenever an owner of a team, I think, has experience being an athlete, he's certainly going to have that drive more than a business person to want to see the team win. But going back to what you mentioned about the cyclic nature of leagues, I feel that's more the case in leagues where the parity results in draft picks and you get the best players from the draft, so you have that effect. But with the best players in MLS not coming from the draft, you know, that cyclic nature might not be something people can depend on here. And really, it's mm-hmm. disappointing to me that, you know, Whitecaps aren't being better at emulating a team like Dallas, where their strength is coming from their academy, they have a lot of players that they can access, and they're really integrated in the national team development. Because that's the case with the Whitecaps, and you're seeing the success of the Canadian national team, and it's disappointing that the Whitecaps aren't kind of following that progress. That's a great point. And I feel like, like especially with the Canadian national team, it's like, well, they're not really plucked. They don't have a lot. Of, well, I guess they have players that, that are national team players. But other than, you know, Davies, it doesn't always seem that they're in the core of the national team. Yeah, if um, our contribution to the national team is Henry, who, you know, I like and is a bright spot of the Whitecaps. I mean, we need to do more. You talked about the uh, the the sort of the rise of, we're, we're just, you know, the, the, the continual attempts at growth with Houston. Um, and they had a pretty good week uh, beating 
Toronto FC one three one. Yeah, I think in that game, you really saw that TFC is aging and isn't really fully accepting that they need to reset. Altador is still their best player and, you know, obviously get the most out of him. But Simon was just in Menota's pocket the whole game. I mean, he's a great talent. The way he can accelerate on just a dime, he just made the back line of Toronto his plaything. Absolutely. There's the the um, the first one comes with uh, Tommy McNamara, who's played in deep and and evades two defenders with lots of time. But this this Minota Simon uh, interaction really is clear to me um, on the on the second and third Houston goals. Because in this in this second one, it's like they come down the wing and in Minota says and, and Simon bobbles it. Uh, and Minotis is clear in the middle, and then the third Minotis is gets past not just Simon, but also it seems three other players on his way to the goal. Yeah, and Simon I think seemed like he was complaining that Minotis like stepped on him. He was kind of hobbling around intermittently, seeming like he wanted to get a call but didn't actually hurt that. I don't know what was going on there. The ref was right there, so I feel like, come on, Simon, you've been around for a while. Play the whistle. Um, it's, it's great to see from Houston who, like you said, is, 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 has that turnaround after losing, um, after losing eight straight road games or, uh, or I guess it's the first, I don't know if they're all losses, the first win in nine on the road for Houston. Um, but they started, they started bright in a, in a stadium that's not always easy to start bright in and, um, and were able to, to hold and, and remain competent for the whole game. Yeah, and Houston's always been a team that's got a pretty big home-away split, but it just shows that playing at TFC doesn't really intimidate anyone anymore, so I think this is just going to keep happening. <laughs> I think um, the the big game, one of the big games of the weekend was, was the first one. Um, this was certainly the, the El Trafico between El Gal- LA Galaxy and LASC is certainly something the league was promoting really heavily. Um and we've always talked about Zlatan being sort of this heel figure where he, you know, talks about how good he is and he, he brags, and but it's okay because, you know, it's always great to have a, a villain. But he had this line from before about, you know, I am a, I'm a Ferrari in a league of fiats or something. And as much as I would almost implore, you know, I, I don't necessarily have this sort of like, um, super insulted feeling, but it's like if I was the league's PR, I would stop talking about him like he was the <laughs> like the league still talks about him like he's a hero, right? Where it's like I think that it's strange that as much as it does heat up the rivalry, it's like you you have the league's Twitter accounts and in the league sort of apparatus talking fawningly about like. Oh man, he said we're garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they've really hitched their wagon onto this extremely MLS 2.0 player where he was a superstar and comes in, he's kind of old. I mean, it's worked out because he's still incredible, so he can just pull in the whole league, I guess. But you'd think they would not want to make such a big thing about it, I guess, because it's Zlatan, you can't not. Like, he's still incredible. Well, I, th- I still feel that you can, um, 
and this is this is my inner wrestling fan coming out, but I still think that you can focus on him without fawning, you know, without treating him like a big baby face when he's you know insulting you at the same time. Um, certainly, he was huge in this game. Uh, LAFC scored the four, uh, the first goal on a penalty after David Bingham made a really strange decision to close on him early. <laughs> yeah, that's very generous. Uh, and just, just just clean him out on two minutes. Uh, Vela, who is also probably offside. Yeah, he, I mean, Bingham didn't have to do anything and it would have been fine. Um, but Zlatan, five minutes later, uh, scores the, the goal that was all over Twitter. Um, as he, the, he takes the, a, a pass forward running with two touches from his upper body. It falls and he takes the, and he smashes the, the half volley home. Uh, for the first goal. And then immediately starts screaming at Bob Bradley. <laughs> I mean, major respect to flex that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a it, it was a great strike and the other two were kind of good too, except I thought that the LA defense really left a lot to be desired on uh on the second and third LA goals. Uh the 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 second one is, you know, they're just watching and waiting for the cross to come in. And then the third one, uh, Zlatan plays the ball off and then drifts into the center to, to get the pass from, off, from out wide. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal that, for me, I maybe actually liked more than the first one even. Because it was just four touches from the keeper into the back of the net. And I'm a little mm-hmm. more sympathetic to LF, LAFC on that one since... It comes quick. I mean, when you're playing the ball off a goal kick, you're not really expecting to have to defend the counter that quickly. But the Galaxy have enough talent that with a couple touches, you know, Zlatan is just in a ton of space suddenly. Vela scores to at least get two and and, and try to, you know, keep up a little bit in this in this rivalry they're hitting up between the two players. But the, the big story, one of the big stories coming off of it that really wasn't as clear at the time is the idea that maybe Zlatan cracked open some guy's cheekbone, Muhammad al Manir. Um, you know, he, he, he comes down and you see in the video, it looks pretty bad in terms of a forearm that is in slow motion, but it looks like it's a lot stronger than it has to be. Yeah. And that lines up with criticism. The league has gotten in the past where, Zlatan got away with some hands-to-face contact before, which is supposed to have an automatic suspension, and they've been pretty quiet on this so far, so I'm curious to see if they'll actually suspend him, because it seems pretty warranted. Uh, Taylor Twelman uh, on Twitter said that uh, the league was on siren emoji? Mm-hmm. Whatever, that, whatever that means. Um, the uh, it's hard to know, you know, what is, you know, there's been some uh, static in the past about whether or not things that were passed by the video assistant referee can be reviewed with the disciplinary committee. Um, but we were already on a Tuesday and we haven't heard much. So it's hard to know what is uh, happening inside that black box. Yeah, actually, I'm wondering if the Galaxy have a game this week. Because I remember there was one time, I think either earlier this year or late last year, where the Whitecaps didn't hear back on the decision for like a week and a half because they had him by week anyways. And I think the league just wanted to 
delay as long as possible. Just punt. But it's like, you know, you're, you're talking about somebody that is such a, a key part of the league, but I, I feel like they do play on the 27th. So who knows? Hmm. You're talking about somebody that's a key part of the league's marketing, but unlike Rooney, and I, I feel like Rooney is a positive for the league who lifts up the people around him. Yeah. Like, you look at him succeeding, and you look at, you know, all of a sudden, everybody wants to sign. Well, Costa's always great, but it's like, everybody wants to sign Paul Ariola. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, that doesn't happen without his, like, positive influence in... in you know, he yelling at the LASC assistant coach. He, you know, you know, puts a guy into surgery. Uh, it's like the league should maybe consider, you know, positioning him a little bit more as a character, as a as a bad boy. Yeah, I think the league was pretty disappointed that Carlos Vela did not get the better of Zlatan this weekend since that really would have aligned with their narrative of the changing direction of the league and all that. But you're right that Zlatan is very much a individual on that team where last year Galaxy really struggled because they were such a just jumble of parts and he's not the only one dragging the team to wins this year. So they're succeeding. Um, Antuna looked really good in that game. I mean, he's super young, so there is some optimism, but you know, the galaxy are sort of the North American Galacticos. They want to have those big stars, even if sometimes it isn't necessarily the best for the team or the league. That's right. Um, Rooney was not around actually, uh, for the game of the away game in Atlanta, which DC lost to nothing. That is, I think very unfortunate, you know, as we, t- again, talking about, you know, what the league would like to promote <laughs> in terms of having such a, a, a key, a key player there in that situ- that situation. I thought they did. I thought they did pretty good. Um, and as a matter of fact, I think it's kind of, um, they did a lot more uh, through the like 70th minute to win the game and, and, Atlanta get the two goals late and they deserve it because they took, they took their chances and, and DC didn't, but you thought that DC played them so close in their, uh, in their home field. Yeah. DC definitely made it very close to the two, but I thought it was interesting that they didn't kind of come out gunning as much as they had in the past at Atlanta where they've won, I think twice in two years. So it was a bit of a different, approach to this game than they've done in the past and unfortunately it's resulted in a loss um the i'm seeing that it was you know wear and tear rest you know just minor knocks wanted to give them some time which is strange to me because this is the type of game that you could imagine is like a a, a semi-final like a conference a, a conference final or a conference semi-final but i guess maybe in that case you don't want to give too much away too early um so it'll be interesting to see whether or not that has any sort of like effects later on. Um, Ariola almost gets a goal. He's uh, he's played in and it's uh, he has a good run. He has a good shot on a breakaway, but Raguzan gets him. 
Um, this penalty that Joseph Martinez is given is hard to judge. Like, neither really played the ball from the perspective of where the referee is, is standing. I guess it kind of, it kind of looks like a clearer penalty, but, um, it is, uh, it's rough. Yeah, I feel like that was really soft. I haven't seen any angle that was clear, but, you know, this might be VAR being used properly where the ref, not in a great position, called the PK, and goes, in the review, there isn't any clear angle that it was definitely wrong, even if it was a soft call to begin with, so theoretically it should stand. Thankfully, he completely blew it, so that it worked out. <laughs> Yeah, this was a this is like an all timer in terms of a, a hilarious blown penalty, because Joseph Martinez Joseph Martinez takes what is the most exaggerated stutter step I've ever seen in my life. Like he moves his whole upper body back and forth as he's doing it. Yeah, yeah, real shades of um, makes, sorry, real shades of Simone Zaza. I think it was against Italy in a Euro. I want to say. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yes. With all the, like, little Bobby Just... Bird memes afterwards with the feet movement and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pity Martinez, who is lift out, left, out of the, um, left out of the starting lineup, is the one who sort of comes to clean up and, and scores that first goal. And that's where I was just like, uh, you know, Nagby, Darlington Nagby comes to the goal line, comes, finds uh, Pity, who's able to get it in while he's off balance with kind of you know, um, which is good news for him in a season that has uh, had ups and downs. Uh, uh, Joseph Martinez then gets uh, a completely unnecessary, well, I guess necessary, DC was pressing. But then, you know, as if to make sure that his name is also on the score sheet, also gets one in before <laughs> the game is called. Yeah, uh, I was really impressed with Nagby on that first goal since... A lot of players in that situation, late in the game, you're right on the touchline, you're already on balance, you'd probably just try to get a corner out of it, but beautiful, steep rainbow into the box where, you know, someone like Pity is really going to have a good chance of getting it. Um, elsewhere, uh, Orlando played New York, and I really think that they were also hard done by with this they had three different players hit the post. Um, New York ekes out with the one nothing away win, but man, it really feels like Orlando did everything they could but scored to, to, to win the game. Yeah, it was really tragic. I mean, and th three of the, the shots against the woodwork were really outstanding shots too. It wasn't just like glancing on the outside either. So like you said, they really deserved more from it, but they're so much nicer to watch now than they have been in the past and really feel for them when now that they're playing well, anytime they're not able to get something out of it, it's a real shame for them. Yeah. Great, great uh, efforts from Tesho Akindale, which is always great to see the Canadian. Um, but even by the time that the question hits the bar, it's like, what are What's even happening? Uh, Brian, after Brian White got the first goal uh, from a Kaku long ball that kind of bounces off Brian Rowe for Brian on Brian Violence. <laughs> New England uh, went to Cincinnati and got a 2 nothing win with Carlos Gill scoring 
off of a little bit of a scrumble on nine minutes. Well, this is this is something that I had a question about. So the the attacker the attacker slips and falls and leaves the ball where he was standing, and he falls onto Waston. And Kendall Lawson tries to play the the ball, um, but there's just no ability for him to get there. So, uh, so Hill comes and collects. But it's like, even if it was not intentional, or at least didn't look intentional, isn't there like a way to call out a foul? Because <laughs> Waston really, Waston really is doing his best to play the ball, and he is being like physically constrained from doing so. Even if it is kind of like a keystone cop sort of scenario that is causing that to be the case, you'd think that maybe he would be due a break. Yeah, I I, I see where you're coming from. I don't know if I would want that to get called necessarily, especially when it's clearly accidental. But definitely Waston would have been whistled if he tried to go through him or something. So it is pretty tricky how to play that. Um, great saves from Spencer Ritchie, but there is another goal from De La Mea. Antonio De La Mea gets the, uh, uh, is wide open for a header off of, uh, a cross that comes from a short corner. Yeah, Ritchie looked really good in this game. Um, in terms of Canada's backup, potentially a keeper of the feature, you know, that's really optimistic. Um, being in Cincinnati, I was a little concerned that that might stutter his development but you know he's doing great same as Tesho in Orlando that place it to be a black hole for players but you know the two of them for Canada are really developing that's a great point and I think that the uh you know it's all about minutes even if like he's getting great saves even if some of the goal the the, the score lines are not going his way it's like he's in there and he's playing almost every minute uh, eventually he will play, whether for Cincinnati for for another team, he'll play for a team with defense. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the silver lining, you know, playing with a team that misses so much coverage. You know, there's he's facing lots of shots. Like, that's got to be good, right? It's it's good experience. Um, the uh, You were talking about Dallas earlier. Uh, Dallas uh, went away to, um, to Sporting Kansas City. And got the big, uh, I think it was a 2 nothing win. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get my notes. Yes. The 2 nothing win. Um, nice result from Dallas. Sporting Kansas City, you know, is is trying to put it together. And had, you know, a run of one or two games that that looked like they might be turning around. Um, but Dallas is just too impressive right now. Yeah, and this was a kind of a tough game for SKC, too, since, you know, two sloppy mistakes really sunk them there. Dallas is too talented to, you know, give up that lead on when they have such a nice cushion, and SKC really lacks anyone who's going to flip the whole game solo. Um, Minnesota, or sorry, uh, Montreal went to Columbus. Uh, and Columbus got the the two one win, which I think, uh, uh, if I recall, ends a, a rough run of form for Columbus. A ten match winless stretch. That's right. Um, the uh, and I think because if I recall, Montreal had had the the better of uh, the the had a one nothing win at home earlier in the season, so. Um, 
the they were able to Columbus was able to reverse it at home after uh, this they get this first goal as uh, Evan Bush kind of has to come and challenge Josh Williams who's been left alone on a corner and he's he's again because uh, I feel like a, a another goalkeeper this week that is having to do a lot of his own defending. Yeah. Um, Montreal had such a great team defense to start the year and kind of the end of last year, but they're just like wide open in the middle right now. And really Zardes could have had a couple more goals with better finishing, but he's really an interesting story this year since he's taking quite a bit less shots than last year, about 20% less. And you see that, you know, the goals he's got about that many fewer. So, you know, he moved to Columbus, had a big season last year, made a big money contract in the off season, and now, you know, he's not really uh, fulfilling his side of the bargain, it seems. I'm not sure why he's not shooting as much. Um, I wonder if maybe that's just in, in the past, he's kind of seemed a little sloppy. So I wonder if maybe that's a part of it, trying to trying to hold and, and, and trying to take only the, only the best chances. Um, after Montreal equalized, it's it's David Ackham who gets that. Um, Montreal equalized just before halftime, and then just after halftime, it's it's Ackham who scores early on in the second half to get the lead that is uh, that they they hold through the the rest of the period. Um, Bakary, I'm trying to figure out why Bakary Sagna got sent off. Was it a was it for whatever contact he had on the body of the of the player, or was it? Or did he tangle up the guy's legs? Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. It wasn't very clear in my mind either. It is tough. And I think that, like, even though it's the last man back, you know, I've been trying to – I've been talking a little bit about these, these body-to-body penalties. Mm. I, I don't know that one hand – I don't know one hand that one hand is holding, you know. But sometimes sometimes if it's denial of an of – a, of a, of a goal scoring opportunity or if the last person back they're giving it no matter how um consequential the inco- like inconsequential the, the contact might seem. Yeah, and that's also the work of a good player. You know, if you lay a hand on someone in that situation, pretty smart attacker is gonna make the most of it. And even if that means they're not making most of the play to get a goal, you know, this is gonna give them a bigger advantage overall. That's true. The uh, Philadelphia, who I think themselves have been in a little bit of a, 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 although they've been very strong, I think that they were, they had a draw and a loss in their last two, kind of one in their last, they've only won one in their last four, or no, last five, um, but they are able to get the win here at home and sort of. Uh, bolster their uh, place at the top of the Eastern Conference standings while Chicago uh, slips further down. Yeah, a lot of respect for Philly for keeping with the coach. You know, he's been around for a while and they had struggles, but they brought in Elsinio this year and he's really transformed them. You know, he just seems to buoy everyone else on the team. So I feel like everyone's kind of been brought up by him, not necessarily from his talent, but just what he seems to be bringing in terms of his energy. But I really feel for Chicago, they just look totally defeated. All the chances are coming from distance or crosses or just 
freak chances. I'm sure CJ Sapong was especially disappointed with the loss since, you know, he's playing at his old team. That's a great point about him uh, being in familiar territory. And I think what is frustrating about Chicago is that they at times in games look good. Yeah, they still have a lot of talent. Um, a lot of the parts that made them successful recently, even if they replace some of the players, I mean, they still have a lot of the same cogs there. But it seems to also be a thing where they made some progress. They've had some good looks this season, but they're kind of giving up goals unnecessarily. I mean, that first goal from Philadelphia was like a beautiful playbook set piece. Don't see that really often. That's amazing. But you know, they also had a lot of space to work with there, which a better team or a team that's going to work a little bit harder isn't going to give up. They were able to play it across the top of the box to Marco Fabian, who, who like you're saying, had a lot of time as the ball was moving to hit. Uh, in, in hit uh, I thought it was farther out than I than it was than I uh, at first than when I saw it in replays, but it's still a really wonderful strike that just sails cleanly overall involved. Uh, and then the second is from Anthony. Or I, the second is from Anthony Fontana. That first one's in the eleventh minute, and and the second doesn't come to the sixty fifth. And I think that they have to give a lot of credit to Andre Blake. He's kind of like one of the. I feel like he's a key reason, um, like why Philadelphia is is holding on in games. There's every chance that he could. Uh, uh, there's every chance that he could, um, like. You know, that one of those goals could come in and then you have it a tie game. Yeah, I'm always going to feel a little bit bad that Philly moved up in the draft to get Blake in front of the Whitecaps the year he was drafted. <laughs> since I forget who they, they switched spots with, but it was clear the other team did not need a goalie. So, oops. <laughs> um, you know, you want to see, you're, you're always interested to see if you're, uh, you're going to see more from. Uh, from Philadelphia, and certainly um, you're going to want them to see them put away opponents, and, and that ability to hold on is going to be key to that. Colorado had an unfortunate game against New York City where their 16-year-old uh, Anderson come, uh, hits this goal very early that is, like, you know, wonderful. Everybody's very happy for him. Uh, he can... Uh, you know, he is able to, I think this comes from, you know, uh, Colorado's number 11 is, is, is holding on and, and pushing the back line up. So Anderson is able to drop back into open space and be found for the goal. Uh, and then the 16 year old is sent off. Yeah, very, very busy game for him, you know, uh, and that red was Sebastian very clear. Um, and then Howard going off injured as well, uh, right around the half was pretty unfortunate too. You know, I missed that. We, we got a Clint, Ir we got a Clint Irwin appearance in this game. Yeah, who I forgot was playing as a backup. I mean, I don't know if I don't <laughs> remember how good he was or if... It's just that Colorado is really intent on continuing to play Howard. I mean, he had a good game until from the saves at the first half, but he's his decline has been, you know, clear for a couple of years now. And this is kind of the that the Tim Howard 
um, you know, retirement tour. Although I don't know if we're going to see if, if, you know, Irwin is being built up as that guy because he's had the role in, in Toronto and had memorable, had memorable games, but lost, uh, the, the position there to Bono, um, to Alex Bono and, uh, but he's also not getting any younger, so I don't know if he's necessarily the goalkeeper of the future, but I always liked him, so I would, of course, love to see him featured a little bit more. Um, New York gets two goals from Eber and Alexandru Mitrida. Uh, that seemed to really benefit from the, the space from having the extra player. Yeah, uh, NYF, NYCFC is really good at exposing space when they're going to be up a man they're not going to be a team that's going to miss that chance and really heber should have had a third one if he didn't miss such a sitter um i really i think that for being a 1-1 draw i really liked rsl one minnesota one uh greg goose is the is is the man who knocks three times in this game with a a super hard shot wide of the bar a super hard shot saved um, by Nick Romando, and then a super hard shot on the crossbar. Uh, he just has so much power in him. Yeah. Also, what an incredible name for a player for the Loons. You know, just want to say, Gregouche. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of chances from distance. Um, you know, both goals coming from set pieces where there was just a lot of folks and chaos in the box, leaving players unmarked but a lot of those chances you know looked like they were just going to tear a hole in the back of the net real like really lucky that uh that one that went off the crossbar and off Romando didn't go just back into the net that's true we've said we've seen well we've seen that as a as an own goal even this week but it's like uh very very fortunate that it you know I, I don't know if there's anything else that he could have done I don't know if he noticed it's it before it goes off him but it's just not hitting them with that much uh, with that much power. Um, Darwin Quintero uh, gets a, a, a header on the far post for the first goal, and uh, Jefferson Savarino um, pushes up the defensive line uh, to find Silva for the goal, uh, for RSL's goal. Um, a nice little Easter egg on that Quintero goal as well was Everton Luis on the near side post raising his arm for offside on the goal, despite being like leaning against the post, clearly keeping everyone <laughs> on side. <laughs> Listen, so. there's never a bad there's there's never a bad time to complain about offside. I mean there's no penalty, it's true, so you might as well always do it, I guess. Maybe it's reactionary, but like there's no way you can have people be upside when you're in that position. <laughs> <laughs> He's offside from inside the goal. He's inside <laughs> Uh, yeah. The last game of the weekend was uh, was the was the they sort of bookended it with rivalry games with with Seattle Portland, um, Seattle trying to uh, make good after a series of um, unfortunate home performances against Portland, including in last year's playoffs. But uh, Portland again make off with the two one win. Yeah, and on both those Portland goals, I mean, you really saw them exposing Brad Smith on the left-hand side. He was sub, uh, Tola was subbed in for him at some point, and Seattle looked a lot better, but it, he does not look like a solution at left-back. 
Um, the Brian Fernandez is the is as uh, as has been since he arrived a, a, a big story for Portland, uh, and he gets sort of the rebound off of a a, a crossbar shot um, by uh, he gets the rebound off of a crossbar shot and the um, everybody sort of like took that moment to. Say, oh, it's his entry into it's his entry into the rivalry, entry into the rivalry game. Um, Rui Diaz, who has uh, uh, you know tried to sort of respond, but he had this tremendous miss before uh, finally scoring his goal. Yeah, I mean, again, great for the league having exactly the narrative they want with uh, Fernandez and Riadas being the two focal points of this game, but. It easily could have finished you too if not for that miss. That is true. I also loved that, like, I had this game on while I was doing, like, uh, doing some laundry and stuff, and I walked out of the room, and I come back into the room, and two goals have been scored. It's just like, what is happening here? <laughs> I know, right? Come on, space it out a bit. This is a little inconsiderate, I think. And then there's a uh, there's some little. Pushing and shoving at the end. This was uh, this was an acrimonious fixture last year, and it looks like it is uh, set to it is continuing to be so. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that stood out for me too was just that error from Steve Clark, where you know he didn't um, get off the line quickly enough on the Seattle goal. I mean, do you think he's the solution in net for them? Is or is this just kind of a indication that they might need to look elsewhere again? Um, I like Clark. I I think that he was a big part of the run last year, and I don't think that they would. Um, I don't think that they would look elsewhere unless there was a uh, like a, a huge reason to do so. I wonder if maybe it's just this particular game being uh, or am I thinking of the wrong person? Was it Jeff? Oh yeah, he didn't actually play in last year's penalty or last year's playoffs. This is his first. This is his first go. That's right. I was thinking of the guy that was there last year, um, who I think might have also been a Clark, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he was okay, but I, I definitely see what you're saying in terms of um, he doesn't necessarily impress. Yeah, he seems you know like a league average ish keeper and. Yeah, Portland has seemed okay with it so far, but kind of wonder. Jeff Atmella was uh, is on the injury right. uh, on the injury train. He's still listed as questionable. Yeah, so maybe Ed Tanella is still meant to be the starter, and Clark was just kind of brought in as backup there. And hey, they're they're able to get the win. I mean, this is the thing about you know if you are leaning on your keeper, and even if you felt like there are some things that you could have been there, there are things to learn. Um, but you got the win. It's like, well, that'll, that's the, that's the contribution that matters. Um, as the year goes on, shots were 15, four between the two teams. So pretty evenly matched. The, the only other key news this week was that, uh, Josh Wolf, the former assistant coach or the assistant coach of the U S men's national team and in, in a couple MLS franchises got the Austin FC job. Um, a uh, an announcer, Chris Whittingham, has has broken that uh, that perhaps 
Um, Estudiante, uh, Matias Pellegrini, who plays for Estudiantes in Argentina, um, has passed a medical to join Inter Miami in 2020. Yeah, when I saw that headline, I got very confused because I was definitely thinking of the coach Pellegrini, which would be an <laughs> incredible pickup for Inter Miami. <laughs> He's suiting back up. And, and the other big, the other big development I think this week is that you're seeing the uh, the 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 big the first big games after the Women's World Cup in NWSL, where all these players that are that are key stars are are coming back and they're they're playing to pretty big houses. Um, Chicago had a sellout of seventeen thousand three hundred eighty-eight. Wow. Uh, Utah drew fifteen thousand nine hundred thirty-one. Hmm. Uh, Washington also sold out their their arena of five thousand uh, five thousand five hundred. And um, the Sea their Rain FC's next game in Tacoma, they may have uh, broken their season record by um, their their attendance record by distributing seven thousand tickets for the game on August seventh. Yeah, that's incredible. So business is going good, uh, and the games were great too. Uh, Chicago, um, I got a chance to see some of the highlights from uh, Chicago Red Stars versus North Carolina Courage, uh, a two-one win. Um, this is a game where you see a lot of the stars of um, of the World Cup, uh, Sam Kerr and uh, Alyssa Nair uh, of Australia and the U.S. respectively are, are playing for Chicago. Um, and you know, it's really interesting, I think, in terms of trying to hook people, I think that maybe after 2015, you, you hear people in NWSL circles talk about whether or not the league did a good enough job that time. But if you tuned into this game, um, it was an exciting back and forth game where a lot of like star names were, were present. And I think that it's a great showcase for the league. Yeah, it's great to see too that it's still a destination and continues to be for world stars not just the u.s because this world cup really showed how the european teams european leagues are developing and they're starting to eclipse the u.s Sam Kerr kills off and uh, a ball in for morgan bryan uh mayor stones mcdonald a couple other players but on on one long ball chicago has didn't get back Quick enough, and Lynn Williams scores for North Carolina. Um, DiVernardo scores uh, for Chicago uh, to make it 1-1 in a, uh, a really sick play, slick play that shows off um, the prowess of Kerr as Kerr is offside and is there. And, of course, you've got to mark Sam Kerr, but she knows to kind of let the ball go you know, to, to let the ball go past her and not be involved in the play, but still just be present and, uh, and let the ball fall to the, to the legal striker. Yeah. I always love watching players who can make that move. I understand the frustration from the opponent where, you know, if you're marking someone like that, are they not involved? But I definitely wouldn't want to see that changed. And then you, uh, Kerr herself gets a, uh, a wonderful goal to make it two one in Utah, Portland, which I also got to see. This was this was the other, you know, the the counterpoint to the big Zlatan goal is that all of a sudden, you know, in real time, ten minutes later, Christine Sinclair scores this amazing goal seven minutes into this game, where against the Royals, where uh, a clearance falls to her and she 
chests it down. She uh, she takes the first touch. She lets it fall. She blasts the half volley home. Another amazing Galazzo style strike. Yeah, it really shows Sinclair isn't slowing down whatsoever. As much as this World Cup for Canada was a lot of will she won't she about breaking Wombat's record, you know, goals like that certainly suggest yeah, I expected to see her at the Olympics at least. You know, she's gonna keep going for a long time. Uh Kristen Press looks great. Um Beer Marker with a nutmeg and uh got the second goal. Um or got the goal for Utah to start uh to make it one one. Um, lots of big saves from Adriana French, uh, in Portland are able to score to make it 2-1, uh, but Corsi scores on 90 minutes and, uh, and makes it 2-2, and then still are able to press coming into injury time. Uh, mad respect to French, who took a shot, uh, who, who made a face save, just a (laughs) point-blank shot that bounced right off of her face, uh, which is... Uh, amazing reflexes in positioning, and I'm just so sorry every time it happens. <laughs> yeah, that's you know always super worrisome. Those balls are going crazy fast. Yeah, CTE is a real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time this week and in uh, in joining us. Always a pleasure. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Would you? Where do you want people to find you online? If they want to yell at me at Twitter, um, you can find me at RM Portalon. So, yeah, I'm there. Excellent. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. I'm an editor at Howler Magazine, whatahowler.com. You can find this podcast at www.thatsonless.com. Um, and wherever podcasts are found, please rate, review, and subscribe. And still tune in to That's MLS on Twitter and That's MLS on Instagram. And until next week. Don't score your debut goal and then get sent off. (laughs) Yeah, don't get too hot-headed, you 16-year-olds.